Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Please consider supporting Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. Uh, they are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United YEG for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support creative control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support Creative Control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. Creative Control with Vish Comic. Hatsuko Ogatsuka is a very funny stand-up comedian, writer, actor, and dancer based in Los Angeles, California. Originally from Japan, Ogatsuka has been wowing audiences across the world and has contributed to The Eric Andre Show, Soft Focus with Jenna Friedman, Stephen Colbert's animated series Fairview, she hosted her own podcast called Let's Go Atsuko, and Comedy Dynamics released her debut album in 2020 called But I Control Me. On May 27, 2022, at 6 p.m., she presents her new show, Hi, at the Biltmore Cabaret as part of the Just for Last Vancouver Festival. And ahead of that, Atsuko joined me to discuss her perception of who the most important Canadians of all time are, what her new show is all about, her mother's mental health issues, and why her social media star, Grandma Lee, moved them from Japan to the United States. Her intriguing analysis of the Paddington Bear films as explorations of immigration, how she first discovered comedy in a church, why people deserve a break, how comedy can ease interpersonal tensions and biases, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you, who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it, 
and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control, plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is episode 688 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented comedy genius Atsuko Okatsuka with your host, me, Vishkana. Hi, Atsuko. How are you? I'm good, Vish. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure. I'm a, I'm a fan. It's nice to see you. Where in the world are you right now? I am in Atlanta, Georgia. Gorgeous Georgia. Where <laughs> Justin Bieber gets his peaches from. And then he gets his weed from California. Do you know that song? I'm vaguely aware of the Biebs because he's Canadian and I have to know everything he's up to. Just It's like a thing you have to do. They check in with you here at the government every six months. Wow. Are you up on the Biebs? So I'm, I'm aware, vaguely, yeah. Of course, of course, yeah. I mean, you have way more heroes than just like a couple, you know what I mean? Or is it that few that you have to celebrate every Canadian that's made well, it? It's an interesting point you raise because I'm always curious about other people, people outside of Canada, their perspective on who exactly our heroes are. So we've mentioned Justin Bieber. Yeah. That is, that's ironclad, absolute hero in this country. Basically going to be, he's going to be on our money in like 20 years. Uh, who else do you think of as Canadian heroes? A hundred percent Drake and like Celine Dion, right? That's, yes, yes. Drake and Celine Dion are absolute heroes. Yeah, you, you <laughs> seem to be gravitating towards our musical heroes. Did you know uh, uh-huh. one of our citizens invented the telephone? No, no. In fact, I think we tried to erase that from history books here. Yes. So we wouldn't know that. <laughs> Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone, and everyone wants to talk about Justin Bieber when it comes of to Canada. Course. Come on. The telephone. That's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, I'm recording my voice on one right now. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. can invent a cell phone. But the <laughs> idea that we can talk, right, like this. In a, in a way, though, didn't he invent the cell phone? If you invent the first version of a thing... He did. This is, it's all an adaptation of that. So we got him. Uh, oh, uh, James Naismith invented basketball. Invented it, the sport Truly? of basketball. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, again, you know, in our history books... <laughs> I think we just crossed out the name and just like put Michael Jordan or something. <laughs> that's, that <laughs> is some, that. some imperialism there for sure. Something going on there. That's weird. Anyway, no, it's <laughs> nice. Have you been to Canada much? Uh, have you traveled up here? I have never been there. Not a single time. Oh, my goodness. Not a single time. Because the first move that I the big move was from Japan to Los Angeles. And it was kind of forced on me. I didn't know I was going to stay there for that long. I was told it was going to be a two-month vacation by my grandma. Hmm. Some would call it a kidnapping when you do that. Uh, And then we overstayed our tourist visas, so I was undocumented. I couldn't really leave the country if I wanted to come back. So um, what I'm saying is that move was so big and I think traumatic that I was like, I'm good. I'm just going to stay here for a while. So I didn't really travel that much, you know, like when I was like 10 to 17. Hmm. But yeah, that's why like now it's like full circle, you know, this is my home and I get to go to like Vancouver for the first time, Canada for the first time. So that's cool. Very exciting. Yeah, that is is exciting. And for what it's worth, as far as I know, there's a 
a lot of Japanese immigrants there uh, and, and, and Chinese immigrants. There's like, like a lot of people there that uh, make the city what it is. It's a very vibrant, multicultural city uh, by, our, by our accounts. Have you heard that about Vancouver? I have, yeah, yeah. I have been told, eat the Asian food, eat the Asian food. <laughs> by one person, by one person. <laughs> Sometimes I have to be careful. I'm like, oh, I'm making such a broad statement, yeah. such a bold statement. You yeah. got to eat the Asian food. It's so good. Yeah. And I know it's true, right? I, I think I've seen articles and stuff yeah. to yeah. support what I'm saying. Yeah. But mostly when I say people have told me, I'm talking about one person. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> we did start, but it's okay. This is going to be a part of the process. Oh. Thank you so much for rushing back that's my husband who rushed back yes Hi, thank you ryan we decided to start Hi. nice me- nice meeting you thanks nice meeting you too huh? this is v. hi i'm vish this is Brian. very nice to meet you vish. yeah thanks for you have, great, you have great hair for a podcast oh thank you yeah i get a lot of compliments on it. i'm gonna chop it all off soon i decided uh it's oh really oh, this i cook and there's hair everywhere in the house and the food i, I can't handle it anymore but it is i mean who I think people like the color more than the shape of it, you know? People enjoy the salt and pepper. I, got, I was used to be known as the brown George Clooney by one person, just to follow <laughs> up. One person. One, Is that your wife? No, 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 no. She would never call me the brown George Clooney. I think it's the same same person that told me, <laughs> eat the Asian food. <laughs> He's in Canada. This is for Jay Felder. Oh, nice, nice. Well, who doesn't love a post-pandemic rebrand? Yes, exactly. Uh, and that's what I'm going for, yeah. All right, well, thank you. Podcast. I'll see you all in a bit. I just got the AC off. Oh, thank you oh, so thank much. You. It's going to be warm and muggy in there, too. Look at that. All the tech help you could possibly need. That's great. As you can see, Vish, I am not the adult in my family in this relationship. I said boldly, this AC that's running behind me, I have no idea that you can't turn it off. You just can't. I'm, I make bold statements like that. <laughs> when you get married, as you have talked about in one of your bits, you become more childlike somehow. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but I think that's probably true. You do become more childlike. Well, I was already childlike. That's why I think I gravitated towards marriage. So it can go either way, too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Some people can become more adult. I've become more adult. I'm fixing. I can't fix a thing, but I try. Mm -hmm. Now I try. I used to be like, I can't do that. I'm going to call someone. Now I'm like, well, someone's got to fix it. I might as well try. And usually I can kind of figure it out. Yeah. Because what I've learned, I don't know if you've learned this in the particular, maybe in the last two years, nobody really knows what they're doing. Everyone's just pretending they know what they're doing. Uh, for the, I don't know, wait a minute. Scientists, I believe in. I think they know what they're uh-huh. doing. But most people, like us, I think, we're just making stuff up and people say, oh, wow, you really know how to do that. And you're like, eh, that's, I'm just trying my best. That's actually the thesis of my hour that I've been touring with. Did you do that oh. on purpose? No, I didn't know that. Are you serious? A hundred percent. Wow. Okay. I didn't know that. I, I haven't, I obviously haven't seen your show. I haven't left my house in two years. <laughs> I go get, I get groceries and then, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, really, what what do you want to expand upon that? I'm, or without, I don't want to spoil your act for those who are about to see it, of course. But what? Why did that come to mind for you? Because I am childlike, you know, stemming from what you said about you know my bit, like getting be, getting married is the childlike thing to do versus being single. Because when you're single, you're just way more adult. You have to get to places on time. You have to, you know, be interesting. You have to, right? All these things that you no longer have to do when you're married, right? You have to look out for yourself, you know, when you're single. And so it's this, uh, I always like to 
on top of talking about, you know, we're all trying our best. I always like to sort of um, highlight the underdogs. So even though I'm married, I'm always going to spin it on its head and praise those who aren't, for example. And because, you know, I am childlike because my upbringing sort of, I think, stunted me as an adult. I'm like a 12-year-old in a 30-year-old's body. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I think maybe a lot of us feel that way. And so, yeah, there are big parts of my show where that's sort of like the theme, the unspoken and sometimes spoken theme, which is like we're all trying so hard, you know, in this life that we quite didn't ask for. Well, there's the trying hard, which I uh, support and appreciate. It's the where I get confused is the people pretending they know how to do things that they don't. And again, that can get you really far. And ideally, you pretend so hard that you actually do learn how to do the thing you're pretending. But that's sure. where I. But I encounter that more now, where some, uh, you know, we have a newer house, and we had some contractors come in, and it was clear that some of them knew what they were doing, mm-hmm. and some of them didn't. And so you end up in this sort of like craftsmanship. What happened? Why doesn't anyone seem to care that they're doing a good job? And that's where I'm coming from a little bit with what I'm saying, because I think I have mostly fallen and you know ass backwards into all the good things i've done but then when i actually step back i'm like no i've been honing this site this the, these skills mm-hmm. i st- i think we all start out pretending okay as a stand-up comedian i'm sure you do you have a sense of memory of your first time being up there and thinking why why did i just come up here did you do you ever have those thoughts the only time i've had the thought is because i i'm like oh i wasn't prepared i know what i was supposed to do oh okay um and I mean, stand up is the only thing that I've like really honed, honed as a craft. I never, you know, I've gotten fired from most of my other jobs. I'm not meant to like do a nine to five. I, mm. my brain just is wired differently. I also did too many whippets when I was 19. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> so you're, so you're saying, you're saying that. We're all trying really hard. Maybe we're maybe me and you both mean we're all trying really hard differently. Yeah. What I'm saying is be more forgiving to yourself. Some yes. people are so hard on themselves yeah. when they mess up or misspeak or tweet out and misspell a word or something. But like give yourself a break. It's mine comes from that sort of give yourself a break. Our parents didn't know what they were doing either. And their well, parents didn't know either. That's why we're in therapy. Or that's why so many of us do need to be in therapy. Yeah. Or, and then we go on to have children before we're even ready. And then this is how the cycle continues. Of a bunch of people who don't know what they're doing, just continuing to populate the earth, right? Well, so, I, also, I, think of, I think of it as kind of empowering. Like when my wife is fretting about something, maybe at work, I go, you know, no one really knows exactly what they're doing. We're all just kind of, even the top experts, they sort of know, they have principles, but they're wrong. Everyone's wrong. Sometimes you just—it's—it's it's not even meant to be disparaging. It's more like nobody's perfect. Nobody knows exactly. Exa- that's where I'm coming from. So I think we're on the same wavelength. Maybe okay, I- we're on the same length. Oh, but you, but you mentioned the folks who do who don't want to admit that. There's the delusion. And- There's delusion within it too, right? Because right. you encounter people, and I don't know. I, I yeah. I think everyone. No, no. And uh, to get to this point, you have to have been broken down and maybe maybe you're more of an open book anyway. Maybe you're more of an empathetic person who or uh, doesn't have the ego to have to be like, no, I'm right. I know the science, the vaccines, 
put a tracker in you, you know, right, right. <laughs> to, <laughs> to, um, to think, you know, I got this. I, you, you know, I've done the research, that kind of person yeah, yeah. who's like, I read three articles. I know. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a weird part of this sort of empowering DIY culture where they're taking the it and do it yourself has become everything. So we're all on Twitter as pseudoscientists, pseudo doctors, uh, mm-hmm. and so that's an odd thing. It's it's I think it's based in anti-intellectualism and mistrust. Maybe like I don't know how else to put it. No one trusts anything they read or hear now. And then for sure, yeah. And I don't know. It's also selfishness. Yes, it's also selfishness and ego yeah. to be like I know best. That's why I don't trust anyone else. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think that, yeah, they haven't been broken down enough. (laughs) People like that. Yeah. Right? Like haven't, they usually get a big taste of their own medicine. And sometimes it's the fact that they didn't take medicine, aka like a vaccine, and then they get really sick. Yeah. And then hopefully that's supposed to teach you a lesson, but who knows? People who've, you know, gotten sick still go, nah. I, th- I can't see the virus. If I can't see yeah. it, it's not real because I read. Yeah, it's a really weird time. So you uh, just going back to a few things you said earlier. Uh, if I did the, if I heard you correctly, you were you moved to LA when you were around ten years old. Is that what you were indicating? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you mentioned your grandmother, who uh, you your grandmother is something of a celebrity. Now, is that fair to say you interact with your grandmother a lot? And um, yeah. is that is that fair to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's like my, you know, I, I call her my best friend. Um, she raised me. And so she ends up in my social media platforms and in my comedy just because naturally I'm sort of like an open book kind of comedian. And so I talk a lot, I talk about my life. And uh, so, yeah, she ends up. People meet her. People met her through me, and then when she opened up a Twitter account, that's when it was over. You know, she said yeah, something like, "Blew up." She just yeah. said like, "Hello, everyone, I love you," or something. Boom, seventeen thousand followers. You know, <laughs> I was like, "Grandma, do you know how many comedians like tweet for years and years and years, hoping to get that kind of following?" And there you are, just an eighty-six-year-old grandma, just like. For funsies, open up a Twitter and then a bunch of people want to know what you're going to say are interested. Yes. Yeah. And uh, so what what do you attribute this success to? What is it she's saying and doing? And, and, and I mean, I've seen you two interact. It's it's always very funny. But what is it? Why why, why do you suppose it's resonating so much that her, her Twitter account, her general demeanor? What, what do you think it is? I don't know. I think, well... She's like a Paddington bear. I don't know if you've watched the Paddington movies or know Absolutely. the character. You know. I have children. I have children. I have to watch them. I've watched them a few times, to be honest. And I Got that it. second one's really the second one's really great. Have you seen the second one? The second I started with the second one, and oh, I don't have okay. children, but all I watch is mostly movies like that or Pixar animated. I am a child yeah. again, and yes. so that's where we connect that's where me and you have seen paddington <laughs> together but yeah paddington 2 is straight up like a refugee story you know it's yes. an immigrant yeah. story too it's really really funny with with moments of sadness because it's grounded in reality it doesn't shy away from 
these really difficult topics like fitting in, being a fish out of water. Paddington was given the name Paddington, right? His name at first is an immigrant name. It's Roar, remember? Yeah. He, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. And they can't pronounce it because they're not bears. So they're like, let's give you a name that's easier to pronounce. And then, you know, I'm like, maybe you're like, wait, that's my story, you know? I never... Try- that never occurred to me. Did you just make this up? Is this your observation? I had not heard that. That's a really great analysis of I it. I didn't just make this up. Vish, I think about Paddington Bear every single day. Like, But yes, I, I've thought about that. Yeah, from his, his home was destroyed by a, a hurricane. So his great aunt put him on a ship to go to London, put a sign on his chest. Like that's what yeah. refugee parents do for their kids, right? Huh, yeah. That's wow! I I I just hadn't. Sorry. Now I got to watch them again tonight. Oh. I will re, I will rewatch the first and second ones. It's movie night. No, wait. It's not tomorrow's movie night. Tomorrow we'll watch them again. And yeah. uh, I want to watch them again. I just hadn't looked at it from that frame. There is a lot of this social commentary coming through in these Pixar movies, these animated movies, isn't there? We were watching. Everyone's talking as we're speaking. I think it's dying down now. But Encanto was a big film. Uh, I love Encanto, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we watched Encanto uh, and repeatedly. And so mm-hmm. there's this thing happening with the uh, animation now where they're, it's great. I mean, I think they're actually putting across really positive and provocative messages, so provocative that I missed the Paddington allegory. That's amazing oh. that you caught that, yeah. Yeah, no worries. But, you know, it's it's like that. You know, my grandma, someone like me, like we are funny on the internet and you know uh my grandma to people represent this sort of wholesome sweetness like paddington bear and it's so funny right or maybe it's ironic there's this 86 year old woman who wants nothing to do with the industry or hollywood industry yet here she is online just being herself right it's this balance of sad and funny you know because the humor is rooted in some pain and trauma yeah a hundred percent yeah. yeah, like you know, like I we started the drop challenge, me and my grandma, by accident, which has sort of like taken off, and it's an international challenge that people do and recreate. And I think it's funny that so many people re- <laughs> love our videos because for I always joke that for me these videos are really just us running from trauma. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and you know, and so I think it's all of that without maybe people even noticing or understanding people maybe you know you don't have to look into it so deep like i just did about paddington but you enjoy the movie for various reasons and as i'm as i told you the themes right it hit you because you knew that was there all along maybe yeah yeah. does that make sense i i love that about comedy or i i think obviously it's a film about displacement but i just hadn't clued i just hadn't made that connection about what it means to be someone who's immigrated or emigrated, like forcefully. Um, mm-hmm. So that's interesting. You sort of joked about this. What? What do you, I'm sure you know the story. Why did your grandmother abscond with you to Los Angeles, in particular, uh, at the time that she did? What? What was it? What was the purpose of that uh, trip or that plan? Yeah, I think from everything I've been able to gather, you know, sometimes. <laughs> So my mom has schizophrenia and my grandma takes care of her. And it was just like a desperate act to see if maybe it was the environment that 
that we had to change up, you know. Uh, so we were living in Japan. My mom is Taiwanese. My grandma is Taiwanese. I'm half. Mm. And, you know, my mom's been mentally ill and she had schizophrenia there too. You know, she was divorced from my dad, but they lived like a few blocks away. The voices in her head were always like ridiculing her for being single, a divorcee. No one will love her. And, you know, Japan can be very xenophobic too with like, if you're not Japanese. And so, you know, my mom didn't have friends. She didn't have a job. So she was getting like pretty, she was getting suicidal and her episodes were getting really intense. So my grandma, I think just sort of thought if we pick up and leave from Japan where there's some traumas for at least my mom, maybe it'll be better. We're supposed to go to America. Everyone's supposed to go to America. I think that's where things get really good or whatever. Right. Yeah. She happened to have a son who already lived in Los Angeles and he let us stay in his garage. But yeah. Okay. It turns out it wasn't the environment. <laughs> I see. Sometimes you move and you go, oh, no, it's us. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, I find that on vacation. We're, we're, we're freaks here, too. You find that sometimes when you go on vacation and you're like, ah, wait a minute. My problems came with yeah. me because I'm here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So sorry, your, your mother is with you in Los Angeles, but not doing uh, super well. Is that what you were intimating? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. But uh, I mean, no worries. Yeah, this is a comedy podcast, right? It's so, a it's a music and comedy podcast. It gets a little <laughs> it gets a little heavy sometimes. Yeah, we get into stuff. I don't know. I mean, I, I mean, no, I know. I was joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's meant to be fun. Well, speaking of which, uh, and I haven't <laughs> I haven't even got to the. You, we were talking about uh, your skill set and how you've never really been able to work a nine to five, but I want to get into the dancing. Because that, that is a revelation to me, uh, and I want to uh, talk about that in a moment. But let's go from you get to Los Angeles and you're there to how you even conceive of entering the realm of the arts. I know in my own case, with uh, East Asian parents, there are certain expectations that I have uh, not fulfilled uh, from my parents, which is like, oh, you're going to be a lawyer, a doctor, blah, blah, blah. And I... Mm. Just and you know my cousins marveled at me rebelling. I could see it in their eyes, like oh yeah, there's Vish, there's or Vishal. Mm. My full name is Vishal. There's Vishal. He seems to get to do whatever he wants. What's going on? We just do everything they tell us, and they've mm -hmm. whatever. Anyway, did you have that pressure? <laughs> Every parent wants their child to do something stable financially and have a good life and all those things. Did you have pressure to go into like more normative? vocational uh, realms or were your, was your grandmother always like, look, if that's what you're interested in comedy, go for it. Can you talk about that? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so with a lot of like Asian stories, like on TV and movies, I actually didn't relate to it because our circumstances were like, there's like mental illness, undocumented immigrants living in a garage, like, and we're like first generation. It's not like they came here first and then so they had to work really, really hard. And so they wanted me to get straight A's and stuff. My family, my grandma and my mom, we're also not like a typical, we're three generations of women, you know, we didn't have like a patriarch thing. Uh, and so 
yeah, my grandma was always like, she she never pressured me to be like a doctor or a lawyer or anything because she was always like, I'm just happy you're alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. like, and, you know, comedy to me, isn't that wild that someone like me, that's the only job where I could really be myself and it's okay and people accept it. You know, it's late hours. I can be me. I can be an open book. And that's, it's, it's comedy. Mm. You know, it's not like a suit and tie kind of thing uh, where I have to be on time in the morning, which, you know, I would continually fail. And I think it's something my mom and grandma, or especially my mom didn't have. My mom was trying to fit into this society, right? When she had, unfortunately, for lack of better words, like limitations because of like, her brain. And if she was able to find something like the arts, I think it could have really saved her. And she does love the arts, strangely enough. It's just, you know, she's, she's older now. And it's um, anyway, I'm trying to live the life that maybe my mom could have lived in a way a little bit too. Mm. And uh, yeah. So comedy, I, I just found it, you know, by, I, I was going to church. Cause you know, when you first go to a country, church is really come and that's how they get you they go oh my god you just got here you must need friends right come join the church some sort so, of christian christian denomination Saudi yes. Road. yeah uh-huh yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah that my uncle was already going to yeah. and uh so we ended up in church and then it was during like a sermon that uh one of the kids like passed a dvd down to me in one of the pews and was like this is stand-up comedy just go home and watch it (laughs) like we were like having sex or something like it was so bad this kid just had like a trench coat with the dvds all lined on the on the side and he's like (laughs) i'm gonna go to church and spread the word of the stand-up comedy that's amazing that he he, was the stand-up comedy dealer yeah Yeah. exactly What, what was on the dvd it was margaret cho notorious cho oh her tour and so and i watched that I popped it into the DVD player in the garage and my mind was blown that that was an art form. That was a job. And it was like someone who looked like me and, you know, holding her ground by herself and people are laughing. People are with her. People are learning things with her. People are maybe like feeling the emotions as she goes. And I thought that I thought that was so cool. So that's, that's kind of when I first met, like English speaking stand up comedy, you know. Wow. So how does it how old were you then exactly? You were like 11, 12? A little older maybe, like Okay. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I don't know, 13, 14. Okay, so you does this take you down a road of like, okay, what else is out there? Uh are there movies or anything that were formative at that time? Like I mean, you know, full on comedies? Gosh, yeah, movies. This is a little later, maybe a lot later. Yeah, I don't know. White chicks is like hitting my head right now. Like it's oh, it's yeah. coming it's coming to me. But the way uh, the way the way in brothers film. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe I didn't watch movies as much. I was like an internet head. I was always online, like trying to chat with strangers. Right. <laughs> you're you're probably a lot younger than I always forget that everyone's younger than me, and uh, they've had dif- <laughs> different experiences with the media because it's mostly internet stuff. So. So, okay, so you, you develop an interest in comedy. When do you start to manifest this idea that you could do it? And, and how does that take shape? 
uh like three years ago no i'm just kidding well i mean because you're always like hoping right when you first start out um so rarely people do do this where like a year in they're like i'm meant to do this maybe even the first time some people are like i'm meant to do this well the self-confidence in me had to take a while to mm-hmm. really really build because i just had such a little faith in myself just because of like the circumstances I grew up in. I was like, am I even, do people even want to hear me talk like my story? I don't know. It's so specific. Maybe I'm a freak. Maybe I'm not relatable. You know, it takes that kind of talk. It takes a long time to get out of your head. And so I started when I sort of like flunked out of uh, undergrad and I had just gone through my first ever big breakup. And it's kind of when you feel low like that, that you go, oh, (laughs) this is a good time to try what I've always been wanting to try. Interesting. Because like, yeah, that's how I see it. It's like, well, might as well do it when you're low. (laughs) It's a good call. I think most people when they're low don't feel like doing anything. It's interesting that you had the wherewithal to be like, I'm going to take this lowness and turn it into something. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was strange. Yeah. You know, a risk, a risk. Yeah. Yeah. I thrive in chaos. So when chaos hits me, I, I freaking build more chaos around me. <laughs> and then I, I push through. It's, I don't know if it's like a distraction thing, but yeah, that's when I first started doing stand up. So you, you, then, you see yeah. the, you see a DVD and you're starting to see some stuff in on the internet and elsewhere. Uh, clubs, live comedy. Do you have any sense memory of when you first started, uh, you know, experiencing that and and who you saw and what you learned yeah i mean when i started stand-up is when i started seeing live comedy at the same time wow okay yeah yeah Yeah. my mom and grandma didn't take me to stand-up comedy shows i also had very few friends my church friends didn't take me to stand-up comedy shows what about they had to be like what about the comedy dealer the comedy dealer should have taken you why not she didn't she was also like kind of a few years older than me so she had her own life I think she just like embedded the seed in me and then disappeared, kind of like my fairy godmother. Yeah. That's, so you <laughs> just like peace. She, uh, I got adult things to do. I'm like 20 now. I mean, you're in LA. There's so many, you know, world renowned. Well, not so many, but there's a, quite a few re- world renowned comedy clubs. Was there any particular community or scene that you gravitated towards? I started at the this place called the Comedy Union. And then I was at the Comedy Store a few times and the Hollywood Improv. And so, yeah, I, who did I see? I saw one of the Wayans brothers actually at the Comedy Union when I first started. Oh, wow. To, yeah, it was just this wild thing where I was like, white chicks, that guy. <laughs> um, you know, oh, my God. Yeah. Serendipitous. Nick Swardson I saw at the Hollywood Improv. Who else? Oh, Sean Polofsky. You know, it wasn't like huge, huge, huge people. I didn't even see like Margaret Cho around during that time. I just thought some of these people were like unreachable and they were on another planet or something performing, you know, to watch Robin Williams. I have to be on another planet. huh? I was just going to say, when you start to go to see things mm-hmm. and be a part of them that humanizes it, doesn't it? Like you're like, it's always just been mediated, so it doesn't seem real. I had this mm-hmm. experience with the, 
I tell the story like when I was a kid, I was really into the Beatles and I was uh, and I thought they were superheroes. Right. And then but then I was reading a book about them as a as a kid. And at one point it's like Ringo was sick. So they had to get someone to play drums on the little leg of a tour. And I was like, Ringo got sick. They got sick. Like, I thought they were like, you know, not even human. So yeah, I think when you go to a comedy club and you start to see the Wayans brother, like, oh, that's the person from TV. They're actually real. Mm-hmm. Do you think that did that make it real for you? Did that make comedy more real? Yeah, that's a good point for sure. Yeah. And them yeah. having to take a second to like look at their notes and stuff. Right. You know? Yeah. Or maybe or maybe be like, oh, wait, that wasn't supposed to be like that. Let me try that again. And you're like, oh, yeah, humans, humans <laughs> you know? Yeah, absolutely. So when you were at the comedy store, for those who don't know, uh, the late owner was Mitzi Shore, kind mm-hmm. of a n- notorious and infamous figure and a tastemaker. If she didn't like you. You didn't get on, and uh, but if she loved you, you always got on. Did you meet or intersect with, uh, or interact rather with uh, Mitzi in any way? Or was that uh, I didn't. No, yeah, okay. I didn't. Yeah, it was sort of like independently produced stand-up shows, I think, because there's producers that will put together shows there too. So it was through that that I was doing shows there. Yeah, but I'm mostly yeah. I'm and then I found like the theater sort of doing comedy in theaters like at Largo and stuff which is right. where my home is I don't know if you know that I world. do I, I know of it oh, okay. I, I'm, okay. I know I know little bits but maybe people listening don't um, so it's good to it's good to specify <laughs> yeah 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 Largo is this gorgeous historic theater like that's where like Conan was shooting his when he still had his talk show like during the pandemic that's where he moved to like hosting his show out of and Tig Notaro, like when she, her sort of famous, like coming out with her cancer diagnosis special or the audio uh, was from Largo as well. Was um, it? Oh, I thought the audio was from some club in like the Midwest for some reason. But well, then, maybe it was yeah. the Midwest, but she's at the Largo a lot. So yeah. maybe I'm getting that mixed up. I could be getting it mixed up. Don't, don't listen to me. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I feel like I, I, <gasps> I feel like that first TIG thing was sort of <laughs> impromptu or something, but maybe she did come right from the diagnosis and went right on stage. Anyway, I thought it was sort of like not planned as a recording. And then it ended up being this revelatory thing. Anyway, do you, do you, inter- mm-hmm. do you, have you intersected much with TIG? Yeah, we're friends. Yeah. Nice. How's Tig yeah. do- how's Tig doing? Tig's good. Tig's on tour. Yeah. Tig's <laughs> Tig is like who I sort of she's 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 up there. She's like I feel like my favorite comedian. <laughs> I love Tig. I like I loved her book. I love the documentary. Uh I've 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 consumed a lot of, yeah, yeah, I've yeah, the show. I've consumed a fair amount of Tig. Uh, as a fan. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, that's great. Uh, you are, you're on tour, right? Like you're in Atlanta. What is touring like during a pandemic, by the way? I, I haven't even asked you the sense because I'm supposed to go on a trip next week to visit my family in Ontario and I'm dreading it because I don't do mm. I with the mask on the plane the whole time. Have you been mm-hmm. mostly grounded during the pandemic or have you been circulating? Yeah, I started circulating September of 2021. So, you know, after the vaccines were available. Yeah. So it's sort of like pretty normal here, I feel like, to be traveling and just being like, 
the masks work. You just have to keep it on and then you go on stage. And then the audience, for the most part, was masked and vaxxed too, for at least the <laughs> beginning of my tour. Yeah. And then eventually around now-ish is when, you know, the mask mandates are lifted for a lot of the states. So sorry, it's such a COVID heavy thing that I'm talking about. But touring has been great because people missed live comedy so much yeah. too. Yeah. And so getting to meet the fans that I sort of like amassed a lot during the pandemic mostly. So it's, it's been cool. It feels very like, Oh my God, we're all real. <laughs> and then getting to share this hour that I wrote during the pandemic too has been really cool. I think your internet savviness, if I may, has really helped you uh, when we've been remote. Would you, do you, you're saying that yourself. Like you think you grew, your audience grew as you did more stuff online. I think so. Yeah. And I think, you know, and I talk about this with Mike Birbigli a lot, who I tour with right now. And it's this thing where when everything shut down, right, like there was this sort of conversation going around and within communities of color and marginalized communities that were in comedy or in the arts where we were like, okay, now that everything's shut down, venues are shut down, arenas are shut down and stuff. When we start over, is it going to be this thing where they just start with white guys again, yeah, yeah, you know, right. it was this conversation where we were scared, where they would go back to what sells. They would go back. Are we starting from ground zero? You know, because they don't want to take the risk. Like, oh, let's just do who sells. It's uh, the white guys. We know them. Yeah. Is the laugh factor going to go back to an all white guy lineup? Because it's just, they know it's just what they know. And, you know, in the past, it was already like a little hard, right, to get your foot. And it's like, oh, no, we already have an Ali Wong. We already have a Margaret Cho. Right. You know, it's this thing where we turned online and then we we continue to write jokes. We continue to perform on Zoom and uh, continue to like hone our craft. And so it was this weird thing where the pandemic actually, I think, was great for comedians from marginalized communities. Yeah. There were some people that really like sort of took off that ended up in like JFL new faces and stuff and varieties top 10 where literally it was like folks that they chose from seeing on Twitter or Instagram, because how were you, you weren't going to be able to choose by going to shows. There were no live shows. Yeah. So it was this thing where online was our friend, Mike Birbiglia calls social media platforms. Is it a meritocracy? My grammar. Yeah. That's the word. That's that. the word. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where the people show you, right? Mm -hmm. The people show you, instead of like a gatekeeper, one comedy booker at one comedy club deciding who gets in or not, which creates this system that's not so fair necessarily, right? Yeah. But the people online will show you. Right. I'm funny. I can tour. My fans will meet me there. And I have the numbers to prove it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. No, you know? it is. It is. It is absolutely. I built. Yeah. I built an audience that watches me every single day, and they they know me, they love me, they relate to me, and yeah. And so it's this kind of weird, beautiful thing where then I was able to take it to take it live, take it back out live, yeah. you know, and apply it there. Yeah. As living through a pandemic and being an American and traveling through America. Uh, taught you anything about your people and your country because we are all learning about ourselves uh, and, and we're mm -hmm. all learning about our political leadership and all sorts of things. Uh, mm -hmm. You said it earlier, and I think it's true. When, when we keep the masks on uh, and when we are diligent about the protocols, we seem to be doing better. 
Do you have any perspective on why it gets taken away? Why, why there's this cognitive dissonance every day? Like, I think that's what I'm frustrated with. It's not, I'm not afraid as much as I am angry all the time or low level angry. It's just like, why can't we just be (laughs) consistent and behave in a way that serves everybody? Do you have any, are you having any perspectives on that as you move around the country and have conversations with people about where they're at with uh, everything that's gone on the last couple of years? Yeah, it's this hard thing. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of coming back to what we were talking about earlier, right? Like people who are like, no, I'll do my own research. No, I know this. It's this like sort of selfishness where it's like, I don't trust. I don't trust other people's info. I trust mine sort of mentality. Mm, It's probably a culmination of things. Mm. I mean, from traveling around, I've really only met so many like-minded folks because they come to my shows right, you know? right. You're, a little va- um, you're in little vacuums as you travel because everyone's kind of the same of the same mind yeah 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 it's the weirdos that come out in whatever city whatever town i'm in that like me <laughs> yeah. and and you know so so it's harder to get like that kind of that perspective you know yeah i mean the, that's that's just my guess is is that like you're just not thinking about others. Yeah. A ton of people never did. It's just easier to be that way now. You can be that way. It's a whole party. <laughs> but there's no, <laughs> you know? then there's no shame or self-awareness about hypocrisy. That's the thing I don't... Like, you used to be able... Like, a comedian could say a thing, and uh, maybe your friend would say, hey, hey, that's what you do. And the person would be like, mm-hmm. uh, What? Do I? Oh, I didn't know that. And maybe it hurts, but you, you're like, mm. oh, okay, maybe I am like that. Maybe I'll think about that behavior a little bit. I feel like no mm. one cares about shame and decorum. And they're like, yeah, whatever. Screw you. I don't care. I'm just going to do whatever. Right. So there's something wrong. There's no moral compass. That's what it is. Like yeah. you can't shame someone or, or, or confront them with the truth and have it sway them. And that's a weird part. Yeah. That's, I feel like your country is the leading manufacturer of whatever it is I'm describing. Uh, but we, ha- <laughs> yes. we have a lot of it here in Canada and elsewhere around. It's also spreading, this sort of lack of right. moral fortitude. So I don't know. I get frustrated. And I, I, I look to comedians sometimes for that release val- valve, but I'm not <laughs> getting it as much because everyone's just like, yeah, what do we what do? We do? Like, you know, so <laughs> it's not a question as much as an observation. I don't know if you and your comedian friends talk about like, what do we do? Like, how do we talk about this? I will I will say like personal stories and then being able to make people laugh, not on these issues, do sort of like start to create like a bridge. Mm. Because I know I said it was like a bunch of people who come see me who wanted to see me. But then there is like the offshoot like husband who didn't know who I was or like is more conservative or like some random guy who saw there was a comedy show happening and have come and there these guys have been different like and conservative and maybe not even like wanting to wear a mask during the show and stuff but as you get them laughing it's this wild thing where at the end they're like i didn't know what i was walking into i don't even like comedy <laughs> And, you know, like, and then we'll say something weird, right? Like, you're a girl, you know, that kind of thing. So wild, like, you know, I don't typically, girls can be funny. Yeah, they say weird things. They say weird things, yeah. Where I assume maybe 
they would be the type that's like, I do my own research, you know, but at least that little nugget of them will go home and be like, I found a girl funny today. Huh? What else did I not know? And I think even that little bit of like blowing someone's mind can chisel away at that stubbornness of being like, no, I don't care about anybody else. You know, it's this, you have to do it gently, which is annoying. (laughs) You can't tell someone you're a misogynist. They'll fucking shut down. Yeah, right. right? Fair enough. Fair enough. You, You just make them laugh. And then, accidentally changed their mind oh my god girls are funny like, it may go back to it may go back to what i was saying earlier about about humanization yeah i think uh, totally. i do think like the internet i like the internet and i know you were just saying the internet's been great uh but there are people who think well most of our current ills are caused by the internet which i think is a shorthand way of saying we've dehumanized ourselves because the, th- the things course. we used to say the things that people would be like put in the YouTube comments, they're now saying to people to their face and it's weird. And then they get the human reaction. And then I think, I hope it changes. Oh yeah. I probably shouldn't say the thing I usually say online to the person in front of me. Anyway, it's a, for sure. No, no, no. I agree with that. It's this thing where like, even if online you're shaking your heads at like, you know, refugees or whatever, going to find a place that's safe. If someone, you know, maybe like, uh was on your apartment floor or something looking like they really needed help like i think your heart would melt a little more than if you just saw it online you know yeah Yeah. maybe people haven't had enough face-to-face time with people and seeing their seeing their stories instead of just reading headlines you know yeah, there's something bites. going on. Something yeah. going on here, and I appreciate comedians trying to navigate this. I always look to comedians as being like the truth tellers and maybe cutting through the noise of of, of things. So I just want to say I appreciate you and your craft. Oh, uh, thank for, you. For, for, for the insights that can be provided. I alluded to the fact that uh, there's dancing in your life. Mm-hmm. And I have I've been I've been bookmarking it until we uh, oh right to it. come back to it. <laughs> well, I I saw online recently on your uh, following you on Twitter that you know you there's some sort of choreographed dance stuff that you revealed at a comedy show recently I think and then when I did some more digging you do you teach dance like dance is a big part of your life too is that right Yeah no I used to teach like a dance fitness class I don't teach currently you haven't done it oh, yeah. Okay. yeah yeah dancing how did you get into the dancing i i took classes here and there as a kid throughout but it wasn't till high school where i was trying to find like friends and community (laughs) as this sort of as this undocumented girl i just had a hard time making friends and then and then cheerleading took me in because i just like Uh. on a whim auditioned and then got in and so those girls took me in and it, so it was out of survival. <laughs> Sometimes you go, what am I good at? What community? Because stand-up comedy, that's not really like a community when you're like 16. For some people, yeah, if maybe they were able to find it. But I was sort of like weird, weirdly sheltered and weirdly hit, hid from the world. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, again, I wasn't going to comedy clubs and watching shows. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was this thing where... My, I was shocked too. I was like, my body can do things like that. My body can like make my butt shake really fast. You know, uh, this body of an engineer that was passed down to me from my father. Like, you know, these, 
these shocking revelations. Yeah. And then so I sort of found it there was this need to find a community. And it wasn't going to be from smarts. I didn't get into AP classes. I wasn't good. I'm not an academic. I see. Okay. So you, okay. That explains that. But then you, are you, or have you recently incorporated this more into your comedy show on some level? Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I have like my Otsko and friends shows at Largo, it's more of like a fun night. So I'm like, why don't I sort of showcase everything that I've, um, this concert energy, you know, I'm like, well, I dance and I do stand up comedy and I'm good at both. And so I'm going to do both. And then people have this great time. It's like a variety show. Yeah. yeah, Or not. Yeah. Not so much. I mean, there's not like juggling and stuff, but yeah, there's, there's different things on some level. And your friends, from what I've seen, you have some very exciting friends who join you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's still a stand-up show. I think it's reminiscent to, like, you know, like Cedric the Entertainer. Or, you know, there's, like, older school comedians who would come out like that. and Or it's yeah. it's like having the leather special where you wear leather. And <laughs> it, I think it turns into this homage, you know, where you're an entertainer as well as, like, a comedian who makes people think and laugh, you know. And so, yeah, I'm just incorporating all the talents that I have, which is just two, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure there's more. From what I can tell, the sky's the limit. Uh, I, I think there's a lot going on there uh, with you. So you're, you're going to be great. You're going to just do well in life. I'm like your guidance counselor now. I'm Jeez. sorry. I don't know what happened. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, you're the, one, <laughs> you're the one that needs to get out. It sounds like, you know. No, I go out. I do things. I just don't want to go out too much because I, I went to a concert the other day. Oh, okay. And uh, I did go. It was indoors and I wore my mask and a lot of, and the performer asked everyone to wear their mask, but there's tension because it's not uniform. Sure, and, sure, sure. And then, and then you're like, the people not wearing the masks are side eyeing the people wearing the masks and vice versa. I just, we're not galvanized around this thing. Mm-hmm. And that's where I'm coming from. And, and, and I also don't want my family to get the thing. Right. I just, I'm trying to keep everyone safe. We're all vaxxed and stuff, but yeah, I think from what I've read, you're ultimately better off not having it at all. Um, <laughs> uh, like, I mean, for long-term things. Anyway, I don't want to, I'm not a scientist. I didn't want to end this way. I just <laughs> telling you, I'm fine. I'm okay. I'm just, I get frustrated with the lack of uh, galvanization in our culture. Yeah. And and I'm, it's not surprising, particularly probably people like you and me, know what it's like to be marginalized and know that there are, there's just a lot of this weird division mm-hmm. based on the way on the one hand I mean it's like a whole new uh, d- distinction of people the masked and the unmasked it's like I'm not saying it's like skin color but it's like okay I'm looking at people differently based on the way they appear mm-hmm. right, and, and right. that's a weird it's just a new element of that that I'm not <laughs> that's visual it's like a visual cue when mm-hmm. you're in the grocery store and you're like oh I don't want to be too close to these people. They're not wearing, you know what I'm saying? I just hate it. No, I, hate all I the get tension. it. I get it. Okay. And, you know, on a lighter note, as an American, it is so nice to see, you know, uh, that Canada is just like us, you know? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. And no. in there. <laughs> yeah, we are a lot like you in ways that are good and bad, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So you're touring with, as we're speaking... You're touring with Burbigs, who I used to talk to all the time. I haven't talked to Mike Burbiglia in... Uh, oh, I'll tell him you say hello. 
I don't know if it's good or bad that you say hello, because if we haven't talked in 12 years, then there might be a reason. But no, I, we used to have really nice chats. He's just blown up since we first started talking. He used to be on my college radio show, and then when I worked at the CBC, which is Canada's mm-hmm. broadcaster, yeah, he was he would join me, and we I profiled his book. And Anyway, I'm a big fan of his, too. So you're doing that. That sounds fun. Uh, I like Mike. I like you. Uh, beyond that, do you have future plans? And like we're, you've got JFL in Vancouver. Any mm-hmm. other future plans that you can share at this point? Yeah, I'll be at JFL Montreal as well. Um, and J- July, probably right. Usually, yes, yeah. yeah. And then doing Edinburgh Fringe, and yeah, I'm touring with my hour, and yeah. So look out for more there. Okay. Cool. Otsgolive.com. Uh, com, And then uh, for, for to follow you on Twitter and other things, where would you like people to go? Yeah, Twitter, Instagram, Otsko Comedy. Otsko Comedy. Okay, cool. Uh, well, normally we go out on a bit uh, or a song when, I, when I'm when i wrapping up a thing and I have a guest who makes such things. You do have, when was your record uh, released again? I, I'm blanking on that. Oh, 2020. Well, that's fresh. That seems pretty fresh to me. Would you want to go out on something from that so people have a taste of your your wares? <laughs> oh, oh gosh, for real? Like I just played off my phone or something? No, no, of course not. Uh, oh, oh, I just say you something. Just say what it is, and I'll I'll get it. Don't worry. Oh, okay, okay. Oh, sure. Uh, people from that album. Yeah. Well, I was thinking, or is there is, is there something else you? Okay. I, I would think that would be the best case we could, scenario. We could. The, we could the, yeah, we could go from there. Yeah. Um. People say, I think I'm going to, hopefully I get this right. It's been some time. People say to walk with your head held high. But have you ever walked with your head low? There are so many dogs to meet. <laughs> and that's where I end it. I was going to say, that was nice. That, I like dog I, park. Yes, I remember this, this bit. And I like the fact that you started to do your bit live. I was saying... I can play it from the record uh, if you want. Like, I can play the actual track. Isn't this so much better that I just did it live? I think it is. I think we have to wrap up now. That's the high note. And then we'll just tell people, <laughs> we'll tell people, uh, where can they find your record? Oh, yeah. So it's just called But I Control Me. And it's wherever you listen to stuff. Yes. Spotify. <laughs> I don't know. Google Music or... Google Music Apple. is that a, is even Google Music a thing? I don't even know, but that sounds good. Uh, it's a yeah. It, it was out on Comedy Dynamics, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I like to plug every company I can at the end. It just makes me feel good to be a corporate chill. Anyway, all right, Osco, this was one hundred percent. And while you're, <laughs> I was going to say while we're at it, we can plug Amazon. We can plug Amazon. Sure. All right, well, Atsuko, this was a tremendous pleasure and and fun for me. I hope you enjoyed our chat, and I wish you the best of luck in the future. Thank you. You too. Take care, Vish. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, that was so fun. I met someone new on the show. It's nice to meet new people doing this show. Thank you once again to Otsko. Okatsuka for appearing on this, the 688th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it on the internet, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on uh, Facebook. It has a Facebook page. You can also follow the show on Twitter, at vishcreative. Or you can follow me and the show, really, directly on Instagram at Bishkana and on Twitter at Bishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol to make a flexible monthly donation to sustain this uh, podcast and all the work that uh, goes into it. That is the primary source of revenue, and I'm fine with that. If you out there like this show and you want to throw some money at it to keep it going... What more can a person want or ask for? $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content. Some of it's derived from new interviews. In fact, there's a little little bit of OT, very short, with Otsko that you'll hear if you become a Patreon member, if you're not already. Uh, but yeah, sometimes I get stuff from uh, these uh, new interviews. Sometimes I go into my audio archives and post those things on the uh, Patreon page. And... Uh, Oh, also, if you are a loyal Patreon supporter and interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. Again, you can learn about all of those things I just said at patreon.com slash Control, and I thank you in advance for your support. Speaking of thanking people, thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario and Granddad's Donuts in, in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks, as always, to my friend Jim Guthrie. He lets me use some music of his on the show. You can learn more about Jim and his world of song at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Otsko, and I hope you'll check her comedy out. And if you're in the Vancouver area, head over to Just for Laughs Vancouver uh, to see all the stuff they've got going on there. And uh, also, yeah, thanks for subscribing to this podcast or following it and telling your friends about it. And maybe they'll do the same things as you and help spread the word about the show. That would be amazing. It is amazing that you do that. Thank you. And that's it. I hope you're well. I hope you're keeping safe and sane in this unsafe and somewhat insane time and world. Enough about me and my problems. Thanks again. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.